Artists Worldwide. I'm happy to have uh, a dear friend uh, and a brother uh, on the Love Brothers Podcast. Yeah, man. man. Brother, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Welcome, man. Yeah, man. How are you, man? You're in the big chair now, brother. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, but uh, <laughs> some big shoes to fill. I've been, I told you guys, I've been watching pretty much yeah. every episode. That's what's so, up, man. We appreciate that. Yep. We call people like him an investor, not a follower. Right. An investor. Because time is the most valuable investment you can make. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Yeah. I spend your time. Also, Absolutely getting right. on, and, and shout out to all the guests uh, prior to you, you know, getting on at the elevator floor. Mm-hmm. You know, we're growing and we're trying to promote. Uh, yeah. Living prosper and living goal and prosper. It's, the, it's one of the best. Yeah, stuff. it's good to get in now because exactly. when it gets to where it's going to get to, I'll be like, hey, you won't be invited. I, 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 I have to say that uh, I was, I was there. Right, right. I right. was a, a tiny, tiny part of it. That's when we're going to have a booking agent. Right. That's like, no, no, you can't invite your friends no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or we just tell you, talk to my booking agent. Yeah. Talk right. to, go, go through my guy. Right. I understand right. how it is, man. That's cool. Wow, so a lot's happened, man, in your five, six years here. Four and a half. Four and a half? Four and a half. I came here right after you. That's right. That's right. A few months after. Okay. Four and a half years. August 2015. Right. Is when it started. Bring us up to speed, Mm -hmm. you know, for the audience and, of course, for myself as well, because you guys worked at the same school together. Yes. Um, So for the audience, uh, bring us up to speed in terms of how you decided to go global. Uh, Where were you coming from? To be honest, I came from, I'm born and raised in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Van City. Yes. Van City, yeah. A lot of snow there right now, so I'm not really missing that. (laughs) Right. uh, Beautiful city. But uh, so I've been teaching since uh, 2006, and there's always, you know, issues in terms of uh, strikes and different things that go on in Vancouver. All the time. Yeah, I mean, it's just like anywhere else. But um, I remember it was my third strike that I had to go through right. uh, living back home, no pun intended. Like full on picketing? Yeah, yeah, literally. Remember my picketing so, story, we're not gonna share that today. <laughs> <laughs> literally holding the sign and going on the street and people honking at you. Some people in support, some people just giving the middle finger. Get back to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah my yeah, kid needs to learn. Boy, I was just like, you know what? So after the third strike, I was just like, you know what? I think I gotta do something different. Right. I mean, I still wanted to teach. I still wanted to be involved in education, but I just thought, you know, maybe it's time to explore something different. Like while there's this, you know, uncertainty and mm-hmm. you know, job security and stuff back home, I'm like, I was what, 31, 32 at the time. I'm like, let me just try something different. So I learned, I just went home and I typed into Google. I said, teaching in Dubai. Really? Click. Yeah, that's how it started. Amazing. And then uh, a few months later, I was here. Teaching with you. So Dubai was already on your radar for some reason. Uh, Did you? Yeah. Have well, sort of. I mean, we had some family friends uh, who moved from Vancouver uh, to here in 2005, I think. Okay, I remember. And they're really close with my parents. And when I finished with my uh, education in 2006, my parents were in contact with them. They're like, "Oh, just move out to Dubai." I never heard of Dubai. I didn't even know what the UAE was. I heard of Saudi. I heard of Kuwait and all those other countries in this area, but I had no clue about the UAE, and I had no clue what Dubai was. Yeah. And I was just like, man, you moving out there? What, what, you know, what am I going to do out there? Like, right. You sort of believe did, the, the yeah, stereotypical stuff. Did you have stuff? the Islamic Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 100%. I was That's the hype. Like, man, I and everybody there. else heard of it. So they're yeah. questioning your move, right? Right. I'm like, I don't want to move out there. So I just sort of ignored it for, I guess, nine years. 
Uh, but when I was serious about moving away, actually, one of the motivators to moving away, or some of the sort of made me feel more at ease with the idea of leaving Vancouver, was my sister. You met my sister. She moved to uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. I think she started in New Zealand. I think I don't remember. But she lived abroad in Australia. Yeah. New Zealand hey, shout out for Joey, years. man. Because yeah. that's how it starts. I, yeah. You know, when we wrote the book Going Global, um, the last, my special thanks at the end mm-hmm. was two guys who went global. Yeah. So sometimes it takes someone to go yeah. and do it for you to say, you know, I can do that too. I can do it too. Uh-huh. And she did a really good job of it and she built her business and she's doing her photography wow. and her, uh, her clothing line. So clothing line's dope. I was just like, man, I might as well. I had nothing, literally nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. To feel, to feel like you're a bridge is what we're all about as well. That's what Global Brothers Podcast is about, to inspire people to see that it can be done. Mm-hmm. It's not just um, something people talk about or, oh yeah, they did it, but I don't know them. Right. right. You know, for instance, yeah. like the more people can see someone is like them, just, I want to say you're an average person, even though we're not average anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so it's not to demean uh, anyone else out there, but you do have to be extraordinary as well to step out on yeah. faith. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much 90% of it. The rest is people. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. You just have to, I don't know, just make it up in your mind that, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And that's pretty much how I've been like my whole life. Yeah. Uh, my mom will sort of, you know, she kind of used to not just like criticize me, but be like, you know, you need to be more, just live on, you know, faith and just make decisions. Mm. Like I was always the person that, okay, I need to have this in order first, this in order first. I got to make sure my finances are set and then I can make this decision, or mm-hmm. then I can do this, or then I can do that. She's like, no, just make a decision and, and go do it. it. So that's pretty much what I, that was my thought process when I was thinking about leaving Vancouver. That's interesting, when, when you knew about Dubai nine years prior, Yeah. not me. Yeah. I found out about it two years before I got over there. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I was thinking, because we've heard this before, he's one of them, by the way, mm-hmm. the early birds, who get here <laughs> have a much better experience. That's, that's what I heard. Did you, have you heard that? Uh-huh. You've been here so long, you probably haven't heard that. Those who got here in the late 90s, early 2000s, even the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. had a much better opportunity than now. Yes. Yes, so absolutely true. That? Absolutely true. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I mean, economically and everything else, uh, yeah. things, are, things are very topsy-turvy if I can use that term like right. now you know like it's very it's very unsure mm-hmm. but I mean again the, the these are these are the things that helps us to see as well that uh, home is in your head once you've stepped out right. you know uh, from the states Canada uh, the UK mm-hmm. you know etc like now you really are just like going on adrenaline right and like keep going that's what we always say keep going, keep going yeah. yeah I mean that's sort of how it is for me like there's been a lot of bumps in the road, like you and I have uh, experienced that, like personally when we were working together, and, yeah. and you know the first school we started at, and it's like, I don't know, I've thought about many times, like okay, maybe it's time to go home, maybe it's time to go to, to a different country, but mm. I mean, there's still so many positive aspects of yeah. being out here, and you know to be honest, like I can go home at any time. Mm-hmm. Right, and I haven't had any experience here that it's, it's, that it's like, okay, this is this is it. Like I That's can't it, bounce yeah. back from this. Right, any sort of setback, any sort of letdown I've had from here, I'd be like, okay, well, what's next? I can just move on to the next thing. So, it also makes you more resilient. Yeah, you know, and able to handle things. I mean, you figure the the things that you dealt with in Vancouver with right. the strikes, mm-hmm. 
you dealt with something similar here, like losing a job or having to change and look for a job in this region. Right. Well, you, you don't you don't strike here. Exactly. You don't strike here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And like I was, What's I, that? I, I, I keep in contact with a good buddy of mine back home that, that's at the school I used to teach at. And I was like, man, like a lot of the problems that we had in Vancouver are just like, I don't want to say they're trivial because this is, you know, the livelihood for some people, but like going on strike, for example, in Vancouver, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Here, it's just like, no. Like, no, no, one grievances. no, no grievances, <laughs> no, no like lawsuits and stuff like that. I mean, and it makes things kind of like it's it's literally black and white. It's very simple. It's like okay, it's going to be this way or it's going to be you know what it this is. way. I mean, there's 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 pros and cons to it, but you know what you're getting for the most part. You know when it's you know when it comes to things out here. Right. That's interesting. So now your teaching experience from Vancouver to here. Uh, what's it like, or what has it been like to transfer your knowledge from there to here? To be honest, like how like how easy was that transition? Uh, it wasn't that difficult. I mean, the, the, I mean, in terms of the school setting, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess the difference is is just culture and traditions and different things that they that they have out here. I went from teaching boys and girls from grade eight to twelve to just teaching at an all boys school, all male staff. But you also taught English. Yeah, I started. I, I was teaching English. I was teaching English here for the first three years, uh, after teaching pretty much PE for the last what nine years back at back at home. So that only because you speak English, and yeah. they said, you know what? No, no, no. I have, I have an English. <laughs> okay. Degree. I got a bachelor's in. I got a bachelor's in English. <laughs> It'd be perfect for our English class. Yeah, yeah. No, I got a bachelor's in English. Cool, people cool. don't know. Cool. <laughs> They're like, oh, you 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 studied sports. You play right. basketball. You yeah. do this. You do that. So. Right. I mean, yeah, I studied English uh, at Simon Fraser University. Shout out SFU back in the day, yeah. uh, and then uh, and then another bachelor's in education with a PE uh, focus, mm-hmm. a minor essentially. Right. Yeah. And what do you find like your time like here? Because um, growing up in Vancouver, I'm sure that uh, you have such a support system there, mm-hmm. and now you're here, and like teachers get so much free time. Yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you how do you spend your free time in a new, uh, in a new that environment? Was, that was the biggest thing because I mean financially, like moving out here, it's very I don't say lucrative, but it's very uh, what's the word? Yeah, call? freedom. Yeah, yeah, it's very. Yeah. It's a it's a big perk to the job. Mm-hmm. Right, perk. Yeah. So you're working like <coughs> half the hours and getting almost double pay, at least in my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when we were living in in, in LA for three years, like I had a lot of spare time. Right. And I was just trying to fill it with different activities. I got in really good shape, changed my diet. Right. Uh, and just did, you know, a few you hobbies. Here a lot here. Too, uh, he wasn't we gonna edit I, this I wasn't with him. Time <laughs> <laughs> before? No? Okay. Uh, I just recall. Mute edit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I had some fun. I mean right. this is this is literally the first time in my life just moving out here where at the end of the month right. there was still a little bit of so money in my bank account. Right. I never had that before. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Like, uh, after the first couple months of living <coughs> out here, uh, we went to Thailand. I flew yeah. my brother out here. We went to Thailand and had a good time. Right. And I've never, ever been able to do that mm-hmm. in my life. So that was a huge, that was a huge, like, life, like, family moment, you know? So, so what other places have you traveled? Tell us about the experience, because you just, you know, you just opened up the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, we did, we, we spent 10 days in Thailand, right? Yeah. And it didn't hurt our pockets too much, right? We it had a great time. physically hurt me. My body was done after day seven, I think it was. Yeah, I have photos, so <laughs> <laughs> video and everything. Yeah, no, um, but yeah, but you know, you've been to Prague a couple yeah, of Yeah, I went to right? Prague, I went to Armenia, but to be honest, the best, 
I, I really wouldn't even call it a vacation. I call it more of like a life-altering journey. I, I guess you know what I'm talking about. I went to Nigeria in 2017 for the first time ever. Yes, sir. Nigeria. Okay. I'll take responsibility for that. Yeah. To be honest, you deserve credit for that. And then uh, a good buddy of mine from back home, Marcel. You met him as well. They yeah, came out here in 2018. Shout out to Marcel. Yeah. These guys were just on me every day. But you gotta go to Nigeria. You gotta, like, go, you gotta go to Nigeria. And I obviously I wanted to. It's something I wanted to do since I was young. But like, I was like, well, where do I go? Like, right. And I got family there, but how do I contact them? Right. I don't know anybody. They live here. outside of Lagos. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like there was. <clears throat> I mean, I could be honest here. It was a fear mm -hmm. of just going there. I didn't know what to expect. Cause I remember growing up as a kid, like as a black Nigerian kid of immigrant parents in Vancouver, Canada, nobody looks like me. Mm -hmm. I don't speak the language. And I remember like we go to all the Nigerian parties and all the Nigerian uh, get togethers. Aunties and uncles would speak to us in Igbo knowing that we couldn't speak. And then they'd be like, why can't you speak? I'm like, bro, like y'all never taught me how to speak. <laughs> so I'm like, it sort of created like a bit of like fear or uncertainty. Or, like I'm not like Nigerian enough to go to Nigeria. Wow. They're gonna just kind of call me out and mm -hmm. It was just it was it was just a very uncomfortable uh, conversation. Question. Yeah. Interesting. At the time. Okay. Now it's not. Prior to going to Nigeria, living in Dubai. Yes. Uh, UAE. Yeah. A lot of Nigerians here. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that way, somewhat, interacting with Nigerians here? Like, do they know I'm not from there? You yeah. Know, that I mean, I think that. Well, personally, I think maybe it's just me. I feel they can like see me coming from a mile away. Yeah. Like, no, I'm coming. Okay. We can tell he's Nigerian, like, but he's like not right. Nigerian. 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 <laughs> Nigerian. <laughs> I felt they'd be like, "Oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Canada. Where are you from?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm Nigeria." Yeah. But I've changed that now. Remember, we had that conversation. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, "I'm Nigerian, but I was born in I was born in Canada." Yeah. yeah. So I, I got a passport feel... now too. Oh, dope! Nigerian, Nigerian passport. Yeah, yeah. man. Where you went? Took was... me 24 hours. <laughs> and ten thousand dollars, right? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Would you have like an arranged marriage or something? No. What was the most? We're going to have to edit that out because that's how she'd be like, you see? Do it. I was like, oh. I have a nice girl. No, so when I went in 2017, it took my, uh, my dad had some really, really close friends, uh, aunts and uncles when we were out there. Yeah. By the time I landed in Dubai, there was already on my WhatsApp of like, Oh, this is a this is a girl from the church. Her name is right. Patience. Uh, she's a church leader. She's available. She's a medical doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you waiting for? You know, you got this, anyways. But uh, wow. yeah, that's a, that's a, man, that's a whole different. Hey, shout out to Patience. Yeah, Patience. yeah, yeah. She's out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> she's patient. Hey, yeah, hey, wait, I don't know. Maybe she's still waiting. But I don't know. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nah, yeah, I love that, man. He's been, you've been back. I went back this past uh, June. I really just dropped in for about 72 hours okay. on my family. They had no clue I was coming. Nice. I had a good opportunity with a friend of mine and I uh, was able to fly out there for pretty cheap. And it was, man, it's, you know what? When I, whenever I go to Nigeria, it's only been twice now. But like seeing my mom's, like when I first went there, I saw like my cousins. Right. My actual blood cousins Amazing. related by DNA for the first time ever in my life. I was, what, 35, I guess? Uh, and like my mom has two younger sisters and they're they look exactly like my mom mm -hmm. like for the first like 20 minutes after seeing my, my auntie my auntie Uda I was just like I couldn't stop like touching her and be like right. like grabbing her face I'm like you Amazing. look exactly like my mom awesome. I don't hear her voice you see one of 
pictures in my whole life, and it was just like emotional as heck. Bro, I cried. I was there for <laughs> I was there for wow. I think eighteen days. I can only imagine. I didn't get a little emotional. That I was just mm -hmm. like, yeah, I was just like in tears the whole time. Wow. Because and my mom's family, we still there's still a lot of family. My cousins, my aunts, my uncles. But on my dad's side, there's still only a few family members left. My auntie, uh, who still lives there, she's eighty something years old. And we're at the, the compound where my where my dad grew up uh, in the village. Mm. I Just remember the on, pictures yeah. of the uh, the school, man. Yeah, it was insane. And uh, so we're there for a couple of days, and I kept wondering who's I'm like, who's uh, uncle over there? What's his name again? He's like, oh, this is uncle so and so. And I'm like, how is he? He's like, no, that's like, he's like, that's your uncle, uncle. He's like, that's my that's my uh, my brother, like from my from my dad's side. Okay. Oh, my, sorry, my dad's cousin. I was like, oh, so we're like related, related. He's like, yeah, that's. Like by blood, DNA. And I'd met him for, you know, I was there for three days. But I didn't know the actual connection. I thought he, right. he was just working or he was a friend of the family. Did you feel like you had lost time? Uh, no. I think okay. it happened at the right time. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure how I reacted to that knowing that I was going back to Vancouver with those experiences. But coming back here, already taking that leap of moving out here, uh -huh. Nigeria was the next step. Right. I told him, I don't know how many times I said, because I remember you, I think you went to Morocco and a couple other places. I'm like, I'd love to go with you. I said, I'm not stepping foot right. in Africa unless I go to Nigeria first. Respect. That's so that was my first, uh, my first uh, trip to any African country. That's like repatriation, man. It, it is. It's real for it's, it's crazy just going there and seeing, I think. He said he saw me like eight times. I saw you. Every day I saw you. <laughs> I saw you too. I saw you too. You're hey, over Nigeria. I'm out there. Well, I'm out about, there. It's about 70, <laughs> 79 LeBron James in Ghana. Everywhere. In Ghana. Yeah, yeah. That's I kept seeing LeBron. I was like, this is crazy. Honestly, man, it's just like beautiful, beautiful yeah. people. Right. Yeah. It is insane. And it's just like the best travel experience, the best life experience, one of the best life experiences I've ever sure. had in my life. What, what, question. What, com what comes up over and over again um, in our conversations about Africa is... Uh, back for the first time yeah because you like feel that connection of like wow i feel like i've been here before mm. did you did you kind of get that when you were to be honest like once i stepped off the plane yeah and like the heat hits you and like the smell and the yeah, people yeah, yeah, and everything yeah, you see yeah. i was just like oh, yeah that's it because even on the plane uh i was i wasn't nervous about anything but i, was, I just really didn't know what to expect and then i get off the plane I'm looking around, it's sunny in the middle of December, uh, and then my, my young cousins, who I've only seen pictures of when they were like four or five, you know, six, come running up to me like they've met me before. Love was there. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> instantly, straight off the plane, asked my dad. I just, it was just like, <clears throat> hey man, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, man, it was, again, the best, you know, the best experience. Just meeting, meeting them, seeing that you know, we're in touch today. Yeah, just on it was what's happening, mm -hmm. brother. How you do? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. And they want to, yeah. they want to see you come back often. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. How long is the flight? Is it six, oh, six, six, six and, and a half from here. Six and a half hours. Direct straight to Lagos. Mm -hmm. oh, man, beautiful story. To mm -hmm. to to, uh, to segue that a bit, little bit, I know that there's probably so many people with that same life experience that have either an African background, mm -hmm. um, but just haven't been back. Uh, or have never been. Right. Um, what would you say to those people that are still living in the diaspora and like listening to mass media mm -hmm. just on like the, 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 you know, what they tell us about Africa? Right. You got you to gotta put your feet on the ground. You got to go see it for yourself and experience it for yourself. Mm. Right. 
uh, it, it, I mean, it's kind of, kind of the same thing that I did moving out here. I had my reservations about Dubai and this area and that area, but I was like, you know, I just gotta do it. Take that leap and just, and just go. Yeah. But um, I think a lot of the issues with, you know, people in diaspora, like a lot of people just don't know where they're from. Yeah. Like I was very lucky. To, I mean, my last, like my full name is Emmanuel Chukwemeka Unebu. Right. That's top two Nigerian name in the world. Like right. it's, like, right. it's right. like as as Nigerian as it gets. So I always knew growing up exactly where I was from, mm -hmm. tribe, tribe lineage, exactly where you can point on a map and be like this is exactly where we need to go, mm -hmm. right? To get uh, to be a home, to, to be home, right? To feel you know complete. So I was very lucky in that sense, mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, but again, like like we just talked about, I still had my you know reservations about going to Nigeria, about not being Nigerian enough. But it was uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was. I mean, again, to around the way of answering your question is just that you just have to go. Okay, I don't know any other way to. So that sounds easy, right? But tying in to what he said, I want you to go deeper about the respect, though. What if you don't? What if you're so westernized, and you could be a first-generation immigrant, mm -hmm. right, in, in, in the West. What if you're so westernized that you don't look at it as a destination that you really, really even want to go? Like, what would you tell the people who look, to meet, you know, they've been programmed mm -hmm. to not even want to go? Yeah, I mean, and I think, I can admit that I think I kind of used to be there, mm -hmm. in a sense. Uh, maybe when I was a little bit younger, yeah. Uh, because it was a fear thing, an ego thing. Like you're out there living in Canada in very, very comfortable conditions. Yeah. You're turning on the TV. You're seeing people who look like you from a country where you're from, living in whatever you know dire, dire means or whatever. Well, even though that. that's not necessarily <coughs> the case. Exactly. Again, you have to go there and see it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I mean, for those people, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I just hope that they can find a way or a research or resource or something or, or someone to talk to to help them in that journey or that process of understanding that you have to just sort of strip down some layers and strip down your ego and not necessarily just go because there's a financial aspect to it, which right. is very difficult. But I mean, it that literally was was me, right? Mm -hmm. I just grew up in Vancouver. I never lived anywhere outside of Vancouver. Uh, Nobody in Vancouver really looks like me. Mm -hmm. Vancouver's one percent black, hmm. right? I and I sort of, we, we, yeah, we talked about that too. Like, honestly, I got to give Heath a lot of credit because uh, when we first met, right, I was still—I don't want to say like westernized or whatever—but like my eyes were not open how they are now. Mm -hmm. Like even when I go home, they go, "Hey, man, you've changed." And I'm like, "Yeah, damn right." I know. What's this up? Like, yeah, I—I I mean, I had to change because right. I was living in a like a bubble a very comfortable yeah. bubble and i'm not saying that vancouver is racist in any way but there is racism there and a lot of it i either ignored because i felt i didn't have support like from what one percent right. right the the spaces i was working with were predominantly non-black mm -hmm. right uh the students i were teaching like none of them looked like me and uh again those aren't bad things but it sort of it sort of creates like this, uh, like this, like this, this, this bubble or this protective thing around you, where it's like you're surrounded by people who don't look like you. Like you have to sort of like suppress your your blackness. You know what I mean? Like you, I couldn't say certain things. I had to laugh and giggle at certain jokes, which were not funny at all. You know what I mean? 
And sometimes, like, I would crack a couple jokes, like, almost at myself, mm-hmm. just so they wouldn't say, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you, you know? Mm-hmm. Again, like, Eminem had to do that, right? Yeah. And, uh, if you say it first, they can't say it about they, you. Yeah, exactly. You've taken the power out of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> it's not, that's not cool. So now, like, again, to go, sort of go back and tell you how you helped me a lot is that uh, Keith, like, we talked about it. A lot. He, I remember he told me, what type of you know, women are you dating? And we had a conversation about that. And, uh, you know, we talked about what sort of music are you listening to? Have you been to Nigeria? All these things, all these questions about, like, myself and identity that I just either just refuse to answer right. or I just sort of, I can talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, you really helped me just sort of bring that out. And these are things that I'm trying to, I'm still a work in progress. Man. All of us are, man. Like, yeah. to be honest, yeah. like, we talk about deprogramming Absolutely. and reprogramming. I'm literally trying to deprogram myself from a lot of the things that I've heard, learned, seen Mm -hmm. that were put out there, not to sort of distract me or to disarm me or whatever, but it's just like a lot of those things that I've learned and believed weren't really empowering me, even though I thought that they were, Mm -hmm. right? Powerful. That's a major thing. It's still a thing. Mm -hmm. That, that, That's stress, even though we don't know what stress at the time because we're living in the situation mm-hmm. now that you're looking back at it like you're saying like certain things you had to laugh off or um not even discuss really mm-hmm. yeah like oh right you know what kind of girls did i date and now you're like hmm why mm-hmm. because that's what was around you right that's what was available mm-hmm. um and like you know like, like a lot of different things about side like you know who your friends were etc cetera, etc cetera. um i think that a lot of us grow up in that that once we now are in a more open situation, your mind is more open because now you're traveling and now you're a global, like, you know, a global citizen. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, you know, going back home to Nigeria, um, I know my eyes opened a lot when I went to, you know, to Africa for the first time, went to Kenya. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what it should be like. Right. I felt free in my mind, like mm-hmm. inside that I could like say and do like, you know, what I, like what I wanted to do without having to, walk on eggshells around right. people almost you know yeah. what I mean mm-hmm. so yeah that's uh, that's it like, that's still my experience mm-hmm. so yeah I totally I can t- absolutely relate you know it's, yeah. a, it's amazing um, and I, I can speak personally and tell a story but I won't even go down that road I'll just to say this mm-hmm. when you start to respect your lineage who you are you start start to see your people is way more beautiful yeah. than you ever thought. When you start to really respect yeah. your blackness, your tribe, your culture, mm-hmm. your African lineage, then you, when, you, when you're on some type of social media, you open up a magazine, you see someone on TV, you can be like, wow, she's fine. And everybody's looking at you like, she's all right. And you're yeah. like, oh, you see something you don't different. Understand. See something different. Yeah, something real deep in that human being. It could be male or female, by the way. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I see, when I was in Ghana, I saw some of the most gorgeous men. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, look at these brothers. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I got to work out. You know what I mean? Like, these brothers. Wow. Back in the gym. Yeah, because I loved them. You yeah, know what I mean? I yeah, loved yeah. where I was at. Absolutely. So it just, it just took me to another level. The respect thing is, it was huge for me because when I was in Nigeria, like, uh, my, my dad flew uh, here to Dubai mm-hmm. and he had a quick layover and he flew out, you know, 12, 15 hours before I did. Then I got on the plane after. But in terms of respect, like, my parents, my dad, my mom, that's a beast. Really? Crazy. Say that. When 
when I'm telling you when people show a man respect, like when we were walking through the village, like my dad hadn't been there in, you know, I don't know how long, but he's running into people he hadn't seen in 20 years, 30 years, and it was just like respect, respect. And they call him uh, Oga, which means like boss. Wherever he goes, hey, Oga, how are you? I'm just like, man, who's that? He's like, mm-hmm. Right. He just, he just walks just. around, he's got a little beret head mm-hmm. on, he's just smooth, like, he dresses sharp. I'm just like, man, this, he is the actual man. And like, just seeing like where his life literally started mm-hmm. to where my life started. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is where you came from? Right. Well, how much money? Mm-hmm. And you created mm-hmm. four kids who've all gone to university, who all played varsity sports in, in college. Mm-hmm. This is what you did? And my mom, obviously. So I'm okay. sure, how many right. times did you want to slap the 16, 17-year-old Emmy? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> like, I, a lot? I can't yeah. believe I looked at my dad. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah, doing, like, right? talking about? Mm-hmm. Do this, do this. I'm like, man, come on. Yeah. Well, it's always, it's always if you only knew then what you know now. Right, right. I have no regret. I mean, I have a couple of <coughs> life regrets, but totally unrelated to, you know, my upbringing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, like, the growth. It's funny, too, because I'm starting to look like my dad. Like, if I shave this beard, I look like uh-huh. Alajembo, Ruben, and Nehru. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Like, we have, like, the same, like, smile uh-huh. and the same, like, face shape. Like, we look like twins. It, it's, it's insane. I just remember, you know, in terms of how, you know, Nigerians discipline their kids and, mm. and uh, upbringing and all this stuff. I'm like, man, this is some nonsense. Uh-huh. Growing up, I can't go to this party. I can't do this. I can't have no girlfriends. I can't, you know what I mean? But I guess everything they do is for a reason, yeah. you know? And it's, I mean, it's their way of doing things. I'm not a parent, so I can't speak on it, but uh, I don't think my parents were strict when right. I was growing up, but there definitely was structure, there were expectations, and uh, I knew there were certain things that I could get away with and certain things I could absolutely not get away with, right. because uh, the threat of, we're going to put you on a boat and send you to Nigeria was like a real threat. I've heard that <laughs> I mean, before. I thought it was a threat. You I mean, said a boat. Yeah, yeah, a boat. <laughs> I was just like, first class Emirates? Right. No. We're going to put you on a boat and you're going to go, we're going to show you. You know, I've heard that before from somebody else saying that their parents uh, would threaten them that we're going to send you back to Nigeria. Yeah. And like a Nigerian brother as well. Uh, see, again, that's, yeah, that's kind of conditioned. Like, why is that a bad thing? Right. Like, I'm going to cut you off. I'm like, now I keep thinking, I'm like, man, I should have been. I should have. I should have went back. When I was like, you know, 15. <laughs> right. I would have been dope. Yeah. 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 Knowing yeah. what I know now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should have taken it seriously. I'm like, yo, let me keep, you know, let me skip school. Get a son, get a son. What do I need to do? Right. <laughs> yeah. Act up a bit more. Wow. So, uh, you did mention the scholastic sports and all that. Like, how has that, how has that affected your life journey? Uh, playing sports. Your, yeah, playing sports uh, at a high level. Yeah, I guess sports has been a pretty major thing for me, which is uh, interesting. Um, I grew up like basketball. Like everyone's like, "Oh, I mean, he plays basketball." Like, basketball is really like my last choice. Right. I didn't really love basketball. I'm trying to think if there was a point in my life where I loved basketball. I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about competing, but uh, I love soccer, football. That was like my first love. Growing up in Vancouver, we played floor hockey, road hockey, ice hockey, uh, volleyball, and then by the time I got to about grade nine-ish is when I really started growing, grade 8, grade 9, and I'm like, okay, well, basketball, I could try this out, right? It surprised me when you told me that years ago about uh, playing hockey. Yeah. Because we know Canada, hockey, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the black kids are playing hockey in Canada. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. My brother, you know Tim, my brother yeah, Tim, yeah. to be honest, like, everyone's like, oh, Emmy's basketball, he's tall, isn't this? I'm really not even the best athlete in my family, real talk. I'm more of like a, like a specialist. Mm-hmm. 
like in terms of basketball, and I played uh, American football in college, in university. But like my brother is extremely athletic, he is. and he's like he's really really good at multiple sports: right. hockey, baseball, mm -hmm. tennis, everything. And, my, and both my sisters both played university volleyball. My sister Ruth is wow. a freak athlete. Yeah, she can jump higher than me. Bodybuilder now. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, she that's the genes, well. yeah. right? That's the genes. That's Mother Africa again. Mm -hmm. yeah. Putting her her two cents in. And I think maybe the reason why, I mean, I, I appreciated basketball and I respect it because it's opened a lot of doors. It saved our family a lot of money, mm. right, in terms of scholarships right. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But um, the thing about that is that with my parents, they were very, very supportive. Like my dad would be going to three or four different sporting events for, you know, his four kids and my, you know, my mom as well. Uh, actually, she never really wanted to come watch me play football, American football. She's like, oh, we're going to break your leg. You didn't get hurt. Right, oh, right. Time yeah, it's time to run. about that later. <laughs> but um, they're so supportive, but there was no pressure to perform. Like, my, like my mom doesn't know what a, like a triple-double is. Right. Like, she never asked, hey, how many points did you average? Like, they don't care about that. Right. They just cared about, like, education. They cared about church. They cared about me respecting people. And if you can throw a basketball in the hoop and be okay at it, that's yeah, cool, too. If you're having fun. Yeah, just make sure you finish your... Homework. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's it. Yeah, right. That's how it was. Oh, that's awesome. It's very, it's very, it's very grounding that, that yeah. they they used it in that sense. Yeah. And um, now that you're here, uh, you play you play basketball professionally. Yeah, I had um, had an opportunity to play last year as well. Yeah, yeah. I played a few months and then my second team. Right? Yeah, this is my second team. Uh, the first team released me, but uh, <clears throat> that happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. yeah, they released me about four months into the season last year in mm. December, which. Uh, I was okay with, to be honest, because my knees were screaming. Mm -hmm. Like, my knees were swollen. I couldn't even walk up and down. I had to go down the stairs, like, sideways, sideways when I was wow. at work because my, my body was just not responding well to it last year. What's the average age in these leagues? Uh, it, well, it depends. Like, I'm not even the oldest guy on my team. I mean, I'm 37 now. We got a couple guys who are about 38-ish. Okay. But we also got a guy on my team who's 20. Like he's right. born in like... <laughs> or the majority mid-20s? Uh, yeah, mid to late 20s, I would mm -hmm. say. So you're a veteran. You're like... Oh, like, Ben. Yeah, you're ben, a like, You can tell I'm a veteran but just by the way I warm up. Mm -hmm. Like I got my bands, I got my rolly thing, I got my... <laughs> mm -hmm. my uh, I got everything. Yeah, you can smell me coming too because like, I got the ice and hot and everything. So. Yeah, yeah getting, getting ready to, to play and practice is a, it's a production, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, still, still there. So. Right. But you know, basketball is becoming such a um, a, a global thing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think we were talking earlier uh, about NBA Africa. Yeah. Whereas, where sure, like when we were growing up, we saw like the 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 rare player being straight up from Africa, like mm -hmm. Manute Bowl or like Hakeem Olajuwon, yeah. you know, et cetera. Yeah, the Kimi Mutombo, yeah. of course. You know, the finger. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like, oh yeah, uh, you know, guys from Africa. You know, again, because like we're so self-deprecating as a people. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, oh, right, I want to know that brother's life experience, right. you know. Um, so I think that's a positive move that now that's actually being uh, embraced. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's a few <coughs> guys in the league now who were products of the NBA's, uh, what's it called, Basketball Without Borders, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Like Joel Embiid and, and uh, Developmental. Siakam, I think they're both from Cameroon. Mm -hmm. Like they're literally going there running camps and just handpicking guys who look promising. They're going to the States playing Division One ball, and they're, they're yeah. sending, just funneling guys to the league. I mean, because 
like I said, like when we're, when I was in Nigeria, I saw I saw you guys. But I also saw Manute Bowles. I saw LeBron's. I saw Westbrook's just walking around on a on a motorcycle, just chilling. I'm like, yeah. just living some other life. Yeah. And it's like, do you yeah. know your cousin plays NBA basketball? We were, we were we were in the village uh, with my dad. And we're just going down to. We were, he was just sort of taking me just down like a little trip down memory memory lane. Sorry, places where he used to hang out as a kid. Right. We're walking down this uh, this little path just to this little river where there's a bunch of kids playing. And there's this one man who's about your height, and he was just uh, laying bricks, right? That so means short, by the way, people. That means short. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he said that. He's about your height. Your, 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 your stature, right? Yeah, your stature. And, bro, this brother looked like Adrian Peterson. Really? Like, ripped, ripped. Ripped. Right. And I'm like, he's probably never lifted a weight in his life. Naturally. Like his, his, his body was unbelievable. I was just like, huh? Yeah. It was, yeah. And that's, that's, that's Africa, man. Like the bodies, mm -hmm. the minds, like everything about that place is not what people... Yeah, there's a resiliency culturally. Yes. Because of what they've had, mm -hmm. you know, we've had to overcome, mm -hmm. right? Um, you're talking about him being a bricklayer, right. right? He doesn't have some of the materials and tools to make his job easier. Right. Okay, and there's a book um, talking about the Asian culture. Um, it's not the book about the Asian culture. It's a chapter mm -hmm. in the book, and I think it's called Outliers or Tipping Point. I forget which Gladwell book it is. But they talked about, uh, the chapter is titled um, Asians, Rice Patties, and Math Tests. And they tie, yeah, Gladwell ties the discipline it takes to maintain a rice patty. Mm -hmm. As far as the leveling, the water, yeah. the whatever, the pH, whatever, in how they think in school and on math tests, just and in chemistry, it's all related. He related it. And it was brilliant how he did it. That's dope, yeah. But it was cultural. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. So when you think <coughs> Kenya runners, Ethiopian runners, you know, okay, I don't need shoes, right? I just know I got to get over here quick, you know, and they just train. I mean, train is different, man. Yeah. You know. Think about not having the resources and doing better than people with the resources. Yeah. Mm. That's wild. Yeah. And so you got NBA players that came from hardly anything. Mm -hmm. and they, you know, Matumbo's a Hall of Famer. Absolutely, he is. Elijah Elijah Come on. Like, Elijah one of the top, one of the best like top 50 best. players ever. Of course. Yeah. He's, still, he's still top 50, top 30, probably. For sure. For yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. You can bet on that. Yeah, with, with, with not as much privilege, so. And you know, a lot of a lot of those um, uh, like those runners, for instance, like they'll say out of necessity, like education got them a certain place, whereas they had to mm -hmm. get to school, which happens yeah. to be X amount of miles away. Mm -hmm. So they had to run, mm -hmm. and get up before the sun and all that. And then like people are like, all oh, right, you know, like you're actually good at that, mm -hmm. and this can get you successful in life if you just do X, Y, Z. Um, again, with like the sports program, like mm -hmm. for Africa, I would say that if we just leverage the talents that we have and actually own that, yeah, instead of just the NBA, for instance, like you know, just like to like you know, like pick on like one one professional organization, I would say, I don't know if there's a word, a level below exploitation, <laughs> but I'm not really trying to hit out of like hard. But instead of them exploiting our athletes, if we had a program right. that actually did that kind of exchange and and the home countries benefit from this yeah i mean especially in football it's mm. in soccer yeah yeah that france team 
right? So, yeah. Come on, it was nine Africans. On and then, and then, and then look, and then look, 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 look even deeper at that. They encourage those players to now feel like you're European, yeah. you're American. You went to school here. Um, you know, why would you want to go back there? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we 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 rescued you out of a certain kind of life. Team, do they? Some of them. Some of the uh, some of the the African players that play on those teams, like the French teams, uh, football wise, like yeah. Olympics and things like that. Do they play for their home country or do they play? Do they have a fr fr French passport? Right, they so have a French passport. Yeah, so they don't even go back home and play. I don't them. believe so. Well, of the players on the French team, most of them were born in France. Right. Oh. Yeah, I don't think they're like. Yeah, most of them were born in France. Yeah. yeah. So it's like me playing for Team Canada, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But like when like you know, when it comes to um, some guys that play in like let's say the um, you know, Bundesliga or um, uh, a Premier Premier League, when it comes time for a World Cup, then they would play for their they do yeah so they would play for their national but, team yeah but like you're saying but some guys also <coughs> like if you've been playing in France for three or four years or whatever I mean some basketball guys do this as well they seek uh, dual citizenship dual citizenship with my friends. friends. And they play for that. Yeah, I have a friend uh, from Pittsburgh. Shout out to J.R. Holden. Uh, he's one of the guys that I mentioned in the Going Global book. Mm -hmm. And he, um, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went to college in, Pitt, uh, in Pennsylvania, played in three or four countries, but his big, uh, his longevity or whatever was in Russia. He played nine years. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2007, right before the 2008 Olympics, uh, Vladimir Putin gave him dual citizenship. He played in the Olympics, like a true black Russian. He played, <laughs> okay. he played in the Olympics yeah, for exactly. Russia. Exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, he's a, yeah, he's a, to this day, he's a dual citizen. Uh -huh. yeah. And he actually led the Olympics in scoring. Yeah, because I think even a couple guys who are playing out here who used to play in Lebanon, I think some of them have dual citizenship still out there. What, what country are they from? States. Oh. Yeah, I believe so. I don't know. I don't want to mention names or, mm -hmm. you know, just assume, but that's sort of what I've heard. Well, Guys who have played overseas in this area, you know, they've... Okay. Get let's let's, uh, let's uh, personalize this. In your, in like the height of your playing days, if you were able to, and let's say you had Nigerian citizenship then. Right. And Vancouver citizenship, you're right. Canadian. And you had the choice of playing for whoever, and you were at Olympic level, and they say... I mean, who are you going to play oh, for? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, at the height of my playing days, mm. who would I play for? I mean... So ability, everything oh, is there. You would start, etc. And you have both options on the table. To be honest, I would think about my best chance of winning because mm -hmm. I just like to compete mm -hmm. and win. Uh, so that's probably what I would base it on. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, so for example, like... Uh, I'm not deflecting the question, but yeah, I would, I would just, I would just want to win. That'd be my main thing. Like, I don't think, like Hakeem Olajuwon, again, we're talking about him. He played on the U.S. Olympic team, yeah. gold medal winning team, right? Yeah. And he definitely had Nigerian citizenship. Mm -hmm. uh, Nigerian basketball now is the best team in Africa. Okay. So I think it might have been a little bit different back then, you know, but... Uh, I think the only I good team outside America then was Croatia. Yeah. In Argentina. Like, decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They think Argentina had a play. Yeah, back then. But um, yeah, so he played. He played for the U.S. Olympic team, and I'm pretty sure he was had that decision to make. So mm -hmm. maybe, I'm not sure what he did. They might not have qualified for the Olympics. True, but but just even just competing mm. with the national team on any sort of non-Olympic, yeah, just like the pride, right. like pride level to yeah. say I'm playing for my country. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I think I would just play with the team that gave me the best chance of winning. That's probably be my mindset at that time at the height of my. 
I have a question. This kind of ties in. Uh, since going to Nigeria twice, to your father's hometown, mm -hmm. and just getting some mothers in your mother, right, mom and dad, uh, submerged in the culture, knowing more who you are, where you came from, all of that. Do you consider yourself Canadian or Nigerian? <laughs> I'm Nigerian. Yeah, and that's wow. That's really it. I was born in Canada. Right. I have a Canadian passport. I'm Canadian, mm -hmm. but I'm also Nigerian. That's mm -hmm. I mean, that's. I feel just being in the country. I feel way more connected. Yeah, that's for sure. And that was something that was missing, right? I didn't know how to. I think in order to make that connection here and here, I had to make the physical connection. Right. I had to literally get on the plane and land, and put my feet on the ground and just be submerged by. Nigeria and Nigerians, the people who look like me, people who sound totally different than me, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but 100% I'm Nigerian, for sure. That's without question. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I can answer that confidently now. Right. You know what I right. mean? To but, be honest, before but, yeah. it used to be like, are you Nigerian? Yeah, I'm Nigerian, but I was, yeah, I mean, but I'm born in, I'm, I'm Canadian. I was born in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. It was just like, yeah, I'm Nigerian, but like, hey, bro, like, I'm also Canadian, like, accept me. You know? mm -hmm. Make me feel, you know. Mm -hmm. That's literally what it is, and it's it's it takes a while to sort of break that down about being proud of a where you're born, mm -hmm. the the culture that you're born into, but also understanding where you are from, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and that's always been a a, a really uncomfortable that conversation for for me. I, I, I think I'm speaking for people who work with cousins and yeah, siblings. What was interesting is I was as you were talking, and, and I start thinking. I was listening, but of course, mm -hmm. I would start thinking about Jamaican American, mm -hmm. right? African American, right? Right. Um, the whole diaspora has probably a different way to answer that question. Yeah, I mean, there's... Right? We all have a different way that we feel towards that question because of Haiti, Jamaica, Bahamas, Brazil, mm -hmm. Cuba, British... Black Brits from all all across the you know the continent, um, we all have a different experience. Right. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But I also yeah. think that uh, nobody's going to answer the question the same. No, I also think maybe some of the hesitation I had before is because like I feel like you can be Canadian born, yeah. and you can be Nigerian. You don't just because you're saying just because you're claiming one side mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're yeah. You know, denying denying the the right. you know, <coughs> other side, but the but, feeling though. But like, that's yeah. Okay, so let me clarify. Me, I was in Ghana, right? I saw me. I saw maybe I'm you know Nigerian Ghana Ghanaian, but America. I've never been called an American in America. No, there's always a double-barreled. I just never been called American. I've been called an American here a thousand times, mm -hmm. but I've never been called an American in America. Right. So it's always African American mm. or black or, yeah, black. Black. or yeah, some, yeah. some derogatory, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, black, hardly even African American. Right. I mean, yeah. think and about unless it's in a professional setting. Think right. about those applications, like you know, check a box. What are you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They still do that. They still do it. Yeah, they still they still do it, 
And they've added some, you know, I mean, I think there might be multiracial, and there's also, um, what is that, right? It's multiracial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's more options now, but it's still. Exactly. Yeah. But it's all, it's all <laughs> these social constructs, and then, but I'm talking about the people in Canada. Mm -hmm. Have you been called Canadian in Canada? Yeah, right? for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So the acceptance was there. I mean, yeah. It's there, and like Canadian people, even worldwide, are known as, you know, polite people and accepted people. And it's a very uh, multicultural country. Yeah. It's very accepting, very tolerant, very patient, you know, things like that as well. Like, I remember uh, when my parents were deciding where to move, it came down to either Houston, Texas, which has a humongous Nigerian population, yeah. or Vancouver. And my parents prayed about it, and they told them Vancouver, so they went to Vancouver. But, um, yeah, I've... Yeah, like, man, you just shot at Beyonce, man. I did, <laughs> I did. I think we're around the same age, too. I think she's yeah. 37, 38. Yeah. That was my chance. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you never know. Okay, well. There's other plans for me, so. Yeah, Becky's in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of Beckys. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, there are. But, uh. <laughs> um, so, about tolerance, uh, like you mentioned. water. <laughs> <laughs> nice milk. <laughs> I don't even drink milk anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, about tolerance, uh, <laughs> you mentioned that for Canada. Um, yeah. growing, up, growing up in America, we always like say, like, yeah, you know, Canada's like the light version of America. Right. Like, it's America light, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, people are so nice there and this kind of thing. Like, these, these, are, these, these are our conceptions of it. Right. But then when I saw, like, these things coming out about like Trudeau uh, with like the blackface uh, yeah. thing twice. Yes, I was kind of like, well, well, it was more than twice. What? <laughs> That's just his thing. Yes, that was, no, 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 multiple times. Yeah, multiple that was, times. Uh, what, that was what interesting. You, like, what do you think about that? What do you think about his excuse for it? Just saying that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, um, I think he said anyone that knows me knows that uh, I like to dress up, right. and maybe sometimes I go overboard a bit. Again, one of these. <laughs> right. You didn't know what you were doing. Honestly, my thing about that, I've had uh, conversations with you know friends of mine and you know other people who are still living at home uh, about that whole thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are very forgiving, and you know I was. It's not that I understood it, but I was kind of like, okay. He came out and he. I mean, he apologized for it. Some of these apologies are just so empty, whatever. I was. I'm not okay with the with the act. It's racist. A lot of people would be like, "Oh, you know, he was he was younger." No, bro, he was like 30, mm -hmm. and he was teaching kids, right? Uh, so there is no excuse for that. And uh, like he, it, it, it wasn't a mistake either because it's he's a, <coughs> excuse me, he did it multiple times, and like his neck was even like his hands and his and he had ripped jeans and his knees were black. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like okay, yeah, it's deliberate. You know, fool me once, fool me, fool me once. Sorry, but. Um, when he came on, he's like, it was racist. He's like, it was a racist act. I'm not okay with it, but if he can go out and say that, I'm like, okay. I mean, I still think you're racist and inappropriate, but I mean, hmm. what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't think, I, I think it would be a bigger deal in the States, yeah. perhaps, just because of the... Wouldn't that be normal? Yeah, politicians. How many congressmen are... I just kind of think of maybe would the repercussions be bigger in the States or would no. it be just more... No, no, no. I don't know. They, look, they go to the podium, they apologize. Sometimes they don't even do that. Right. right. Or they issue a statement. Right. And then we forget about it. Something but, else happens. Yeah, but I mean, because the thing for, for Canadians, I always like, even in my group chat with my friends at home, I was just like, you know what? 
this is like maybe Canada's just more forgiving mm-hmm. or maybe just more uh, unaware mm-hmm. of what racism really, really is and how destructive it is. Mm-hmm. Like we don't really talk about slavery in, in Canada. We don't. But it, it existed. Oh, you know what I mean? Sense. Underground Railroad, all that stuff. Going through yeah, Scotia yeah. and all those sort of things. And even the way, uh, like... Um, Rest in peace, Rocky Johnson. Yeah. He just died. Oh, really? He just died. He Did not know that. Yeah. Uh, but even the way, like, uh, indigenous people are treated in oh, Canada wow, yeah. right now. Very, like, they're just... It's Straight brutal. disrespectful, yeah. Straight disrespectful, almost like they're not even people. So, I mean, yeah. there is... I mean, there's racism everywhere, you yeah. know? And I think... Canada sometimes just get a, gets a pass when it really shouldn't, right? These are still issues and these are people and these are things that should be addressed. But I, I believe until you know, recently the UK was getting a pass because because America is so that's o- so true o- overt overt about yeah. Then these other yeah. cultures or these other countries or you know they can sit back and just have structural racism, right? You know, and just have systemic racism mm-hmm. and not call you by you know out. And shoot you down in the streets, but you're still going to stay down here, and we're still going to stay here, right? Right, and that's Canada. So we're nice, yeah, for sure. But you're not running anything, or you're not going to be in the, the parliament, parliament, or what was mm. was there? Yeah, parliament, parliament, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. or like yeah. be the Canadian prime minister. You're not going to, yeah. Don't even think about that. So there is more representation from minority groups in the Canadian government. <coughs> now. Um, Bro, is a, how, how many? Minority, like how many black people are in Canada? I think like a million or something. Right? In Canada? Yeah. I think, I don't know how many people are in the country now, 36 million? Yeah. Uh, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know anymore. But I mean, it's, it really just depends on the city that you go to. There's pockets of black people, you know, here and there. But I guess, I think the biggest uh, population of black people is probably like Toronto or yeah. even like Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. even farther, farther east. Mm-hmm. Vancouver, not as much. Again, Vancouver as a city, 1%. Yeah. Uh, and then the farther east you go, I mean, the colder you get. But uh, at least in Toronto, there's a large African population, uh, yeah. Caribbean population, and then even farther east, even into Montreal and you know mm-hmm. Nova Scotia on that side of the country. So I mean, we're there. Yeah. Um, how yeah. often? How often is uh, Africa talked about in Canada? Because I know, like you know, with America, we had like in school. Uh, like just in school, uh, like you know, Black History Month. Like you know, like we have all these things in America that. Uh, because of like the the, the legacy of slavery, um, we grew up hearing these things, and like even had a Black Pride movement, um, you know, like in our lifetime that we can remember, you know, and like you know certain artists that like you know really big this up, like Public Enemy, etc. Yeah. Like 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 did Canada have like a movement of this kind of thing? Yeah, even Million Man March. Yeah, like um, Black Panthers yeah. and like so and so. Not that I know of. Right. I mean, I didn't really learn anything about. Black history or, or African, African history, history yeah. in school, definitely, one hundred percent, no slavery. Like no, mm-hmm. our history, like we we learned a lot about like American history, mm-hmm. and you know like slavery through how it was presented to you know all of us and you know the, the books and how they just sort of mm-hmm. clean things up a bit. But uh, no, I mean Black History Month is a thing in in Canada. But, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, and there's different events and celebrations and all that sort of stuff, and. Uh, so that's something that's that's observed every every month, but um, I mean I've been out of the country for almost five years now, but uh, I think just having those conversations, even the whole Trudeau thing, right? Mm. Social media has changed everything, right? Right, because now sure. it's just I mean I've only, I mean I I got Instagram I think 2013, 
something like that. But um, all of these conversations that we've had within the last, you know, three, four years of, you know, uh, Trayvon and all these other uh, Black Lives Matter black people, kind black of, yeah. Matter, pretty much people look like me and you just getting gunned down for no reason as we're going away from, mm -hmm. anyways, I'm not going to get there. Mm -hmm. But um, those conversations weren't really happening, you know, even like six, seven years ago when I was living at home. Mm -hmm. Now that social media is out, like you can just go online, there's videos, like you can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like people are way more aware of it mm -hmm. now. And I'm kind of curious about the dynamic of how I would feel, not just feel, but how I, I would accept and express my opinions about stuff like this if I was still living in Vancouver. Mm. You know what I mean? I think the fact that I was able to, not, not I mean, just the fact that I removed myself from there and, you know, planted myself here, I feel way more, I'm not sure if it's comfortable, but just way more confident being confident about myself, about what I look like and the things that are important to me. Right and wrong. Right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. I have, I have really deep conversations with uh, some really good friends of mine back home. We got a group chat and uh, we talk about all this stuff and everything is done with respect. Like we don't necessarily agree on everything, but we can have a conversation and then when I go, go home in the summer, we can go have a drink, go, go for dinner. Right. Um, this black and white friends. Mm -hmm. yeah. do, you, do you find that some of them are in denial? Mm. In, in, in regards to... Uh, the, the societal structures that are in place and the white supremacy. Uh, that's the thing. Like white supremacy is a white supremacy. Sorry, is a very difficult word to utter when you're living in Canada for some reason because you grow a because it exists, but yeah. b sometimes you just don't want to disrupt your nice comfortable situation, right? Like if I'm at home, I don't fear that if I'm walking in downtown Vancouver and there's police officers over there that they're going to shoot me. You know what I mean? In Vancouver. I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm there. I'm included. I'm part of the society, whatever. But there are some times where, you know, you get the, you get the wake-up call, right? Yeah. That, okay, yeah, you can live here. You're with us, but you're not, you know. You know. But, um, no, and it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to talk about because it kind of disrupts your entire being. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we talk about playing hockey growing up, mm -hmm. right? I never played for like a real ice hockey team, but you hear about some of these horror stories of some of these black athletes who grew up in Canada, Canadian, mm -hmm. called Canadians, who literally have bananas thrown at them, right? and they're called this and Being that hazed, as yeah. they're playing, you so, know what I mean? So what you're describing is extremism, right? right? Um, hate, crimes, mm -hmm. harm, harm to black people. But you mean to tell me in Vancouver, Mm -hmm. Not Canada, but in in the city of Vancouver, or in that chat that you guys are, are, are there's people who will say that white supremacy doesn't exist. Um, not necessarily that because if just one exist, if just one percent of the population is, right. is is African immigrants or Caribbean immigrants or whatever, mm -hmm. that's telling there right. that there's no, not sure. in, there's not a yeah. Migration to that area. It's, it's the numbers. People, the numbers. The numbers show you. Yeah. yeah, we're not. There's no jobs, or there's no resources, or there's mm -hmm. no opportunities. There's gaps in that. Just, you know, I mean, there's some parallels in um, all of this. To yeah. be honest with you, it's all about if people uh, 
up north in Canada or in the UK want to acknowledge some of the things that are going on mm -hmm. because it's not as prevalent. Yeah, yeah. It's not as it's a smaller population in your face. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's there, there, but it's not it's as blatant, mm -hmm. right? We just a lot of I mean a lot of people just say I mean I'm happy to be Canadian. Oh, good thing. Good thing. I'm, you know, I'm born in Canada. Right. At least I'm not American. At least that's what I'm saying. They got a lot of problems, problems down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right. Good thing we're in Canada. True to an extent, but I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not as confident thinking like I'm that different. Because once, right. if I drive my car and go across into Washington State, they're not, hey, he's Canadian, this is not going to affect him. Like it's, exactly. Same thing can happen to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, would they even, would they even see you as Canadian? No. And like, uh, right? Right. I'm Nigerian. What, don't right. care. Right. right. What I mean by that is, is, uh, like for instance, when I tell people here that, um, like I don't say American American, but they're like, um, oh yeah, where are you from? Like, oh, I grew up in New York. They're like, yeah, but where, you know, where, like, where are you really from? And then when I say, you know, the Caribbean and 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 uh, West Indies, they have the whole cricket thing. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, great, great, great. Yeah, where in Africa is that? <laughs> so they still don't even like relate. It, like to them, Africa, black black person, Africa. Yeah. When you say that you grew up somewhere, it's like really like bugs their mind out. Um, but so, yeah, the whole Canada thing, I'm sure, like, even, like, you know, going across the line, like you're saying, mm -hmm. just to Washington State, a white American isn't going to be like, oh, yeah, he's Canadian. Right. It's like, no, I, you're black. Start speaking. Right. And then they kind of figure it out. Mm -hmm. from here, right? Where are you from? Really? Oh, yeah. So it's a different dialect. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get it all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. right, so I got a big one for you guys. Um, yeah. Would you rather... We're playing this game? Would, <laughs> the would you rather game. <laughs> So would you rather deal with racism or deal with corruption in terms of that regular topic that people are just always having to confront in your country, wherever it is, yeah? Would you rather deal with racism all the time or deal with corruption all the time and how to get around either one to just live your life? Mm. Uh, I mean, a lot of it kind of goes hand in hand, in a sense. Uh, well, I'll tell you where I'm coming from with that question. So. Living in the West, be it be the US, UK, you know, et cetera, people have their different levels of racism, like wherever they are, like we're saying with Canada, you know, et cetera. Or in Africa, most people are talking about, oh yeah, this would change, but corruption, man, the government. So it's like, we all have our gripes about something in our society, but which one would you rather deal with on a regular basis? I know my answer that I feel like I would rather deal with corruption because right. if we get together, there's a way around that. Um, so you prefer corruption? I prefer, to, to, to uh, yeah. I, and work through it. Yeah. I think I'm the opposite now that you ask me. Because I mean, like having to fight for just who you are. Right. Because no one is just like innately corrupt. Okay, so here's a question. You grow Sorry. to be that, but we are like, you know, yeah. we are who we are. So if you're, if, you're, if you're dealing, so if you're, okay, I'll accept the racism mm. as long as we can work with the corruption. Does that mean that you're still afforded the same, I mean, actually no. It's tough because I'm, cause I'm saying, because if, if there's racism, then that is not just, I don't like you because of what you look like. It's like, I can affect your pocketbook. I can affect whether you can get a loan. I can affect your house, mm -hmm. right? So maybe, but then again, so like, say, say we can deal with uh, corruption, I prefer to deal with corruption, that then those different structures from racism, are those out the window? Because 
corruption kind of just brings those things back in, right? Well, like in Nigeria, like it's very, it's not as corrupt as people think, but there are major, major levels of corruption like oh, starting yeah. with the with the government, and that affects the people. Like the wealth disparity in, in Nigeria is like it's huge. There's a lot of, like Nigeria is a rich country, which is what people don't realize, right? Yeah, it's very rich, and there's certain areas in that country you're just like, holy smokes, like you, wow, you're driving that. This yeah, is, this is this absolutely. Is you know, you're speaking of every African country, right? The wealth right. disparity. Every so I mean, country. look at the U.S. I would rather that change than racism change. Like racism, I kind of know my, not my lane, but I know, like I like overt racism if I had to have it anyway, you know what I mean? Mm. I don't like the microaggressions, I don't like the, the, the sneaky stuff, you know what I mean? Um, I would rather, because that way you just know, you know exactly who you're, who you're dealing with, you know what I mean? Except for the barrel, looking at a barrel ex gun. Yeah, aside from that. Yeah. Right. See, I guess but where I'm like, coming. Oh, I don't like you because you look like a smart. Yeah. Okay, cool. I know. I can go here. I can do this. I can feel comfortable here. Well, I guess where I'm coming from with it is that I feel like I can work my way out of poverty, based on what I know and just like, you know, how you uh, uh, manage to maneuver in life. You can't work your way out of who you are, and like, not that you'd want to anyway, but mm -hmm. like, you know, we're black people. Period. Mm -hmm. right. So, bro, that is a good question. That's what I mean by that. Because I feel I I would want to jump. Back and forth, you know, mm. because being but you in Nigeria, can't. It's this time. or this. Yeah, 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 I know. But being in Nigeria, right, and just seeing the levels of corruption, it's uh, it feels insurmountable, right? Yeah, it's so yeah. big. So I mean, just finding ways to work with that and try to end it or mm. remedy it would be a bigger deal for me. And I guess that's um, you know, that's a big question. Of what I what I you know what I wanted to um uh, to end with, just the fact that you are a uh, uh, son of immigrants, yeah. but now you've discovered home, mm -hmm. and now you have that option. Now that you're an yeah. adult, you can say, "All right, now I'm gonna live in live in Nigeria, live in Africa, mm -hmm. or I'm gonna live in Vancouver." Like this is right. up to you now. Yeah, you know, and like these are the two challenges that you might have to face: either this here or that there. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I guess something like you know, we all have to answer now that we see like things like the year of return. You know, yeah, and we talked back about and, that. You know, and we talked about him going back to Vancouver, and of course. It's out of the question for me to go back <laughs> to Pittsburgh uh, if I don't have to. Mm. But um, if I had, you know, if, 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 if it took me to Pittsburgh, you know, how am I going to adjust? Right. You know, coming from here and coming from all the places I've been around the world. Right. And we talked about that with you mm -hmm. going back to Vancouver. Yeah, it would be, I mean, even when I go home in the summer, yeah. it's not that things are changing, but I feel, I feel like I've changed You've changed, lot. absolutely. So i seeing so many, I've seen just like even going to certain restaurants that I used to go to and just be like, well, Comfortable, yeah. no problem. Da, 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 da. Now I walk in there, I'm just like, I'm the only black person in this whole place. Okay. You start to notice these things. Like, how can I yeah. maneuver? How can I feel right. comfortable still? Yeah, you know? we were taught to act as a chameleon and assimilate mm -hmm. and code switch and all yeah, that other stuff. Yeah. And then when you find out, you know, when you really have knowledge of self, you're like, hold on, this is crazy. Like, I'm yeah. really the only black person. Yeah, here. the only one. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're not marketing to anybody else. Right. You know what I mean? And I mean, that's the thing, it's not, it's, but it's not even like an uncomfortable feeling, mm -hmm. it's just an awareness now. Yeah. Right? Okay. okay. I know that, okay, they, they notice me. Mm -hmm. I know that when I walk in, I'm six, four and a half, that I'm being looked at or whatever it is. And it's not in any sort of negative whatever, but I remember even just, you know, five, six years ago when I would walk into the same restaurant, movie theater, I was just like, doo, 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 doo. Yeah. everything's cool. I'm just right. another Canadian. Just, yeah, just yeah. But now Canadian you're a black guy. Canadian. Yeah, right. It's just, like you like. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, and it's just good to have that awareness. <coughs> yeah. You know, and not in any sort of 
man, we went all over the place, but I, I, I'm, I'm happy we had this yeah, conversation, absolutely. man, you know, because uh, it really, it opened my eyes up. You said some things, even though I know Emmy really well, and we have some, some really intimate conversations about everything over the past five years. I learned a lot, man. Really Likewise, man. Yeah. And uh, now I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys bringing me on. Like I said, I was I was waiting for the call. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here subscribing. I'm liking. I'm sending you know. I'm sending the link to to the fellas. See, that's just like a sports player preparing for the combine. Yeah. Like you know, I'm waiting for the call. Yeah, I'm ready, coach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing. Okay, been here's ready. the thing. Okay, been ready. we don't have the waiting for the call draft hat. Cool, but you got the Global Brothers. And yes, going yes. straight home today. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> Welcome to the team, brother. Welcome to the team, the global team. Yes, sir. Yes. Appreciate and it. as we always say at this time, live global and prosper. Yes, Check us out on YouTube, Global Brothers Podcast, and please subscribe and share and you know continue to support. You know, good yeah. content. Everybody, Mr. Worldwide.